0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, But before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest, so let's give a warm welcome to today's guest,
1: Chris Fumafredo. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing awesome. How are you, AJ?
0: Uh, I am doing fine. Now, uh, Chris, uh, if memory serves, and trust me, as I'm getting up in years, memory does not always serve, (laughs) and certainly not quickly enough. Uh, Last time you were in the hot seat, I believe it was a very special episode
1: of Beat My Guest. It was a very special episode. We learned a lot of life lessons about how to place our bets on this show, and I feel like we came out of it as better people, both of us.
0: Yeah, all right, cue your rainbow, the more you know. Yes, I highly recommend for those of you who uh, might have been a fan of uh, television specials that had a certain uh, message behind them. uh, We did a whole episode, Chris and I, on those very special episodes. You can find it in our archives. It was was a good time. A good time was had by all, and you just might learn something along the way, like not to drink my drinks. (laughs) All right. Well, I promise no, uh, no uh, such tricks or chicanery. It's a special episode just because I have you in the hot seat, sir. Uh, is there anything you'd like to uh, share for people who may be listening to you for the first time, maybe not be familiar with you uh, about yourself? Uh, please, please, the, the the brief bio blurb goes here.
1: Sure, Chris Mafredo, uh, currently living just outside of Richmond, Virginia, with my wife and our three dogs and a rabbit. I know that sounds like we're starting a racetrack or some of some kind. Um, and we're also expecting our first child. So exciting times here in the household.
0: Oh, congratulations on that front. Uh, you know, uh, well, you know, all the animals. We bought a zoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I've seen this film. <laughs> and it is a zoo. The menagerie of trivia questions will be headed your way, sir. But not in any haphazard fashion. No, no, we have rules to this game. Uh, let me remind you of the rules. And if those of you out there might be listening for the first time, where have you been? Uh, let me fill you in on what those rules might be. There's going to be four rounds of four questions apiece. In each round, Chris, I will let you know the categories in order that we'll be using for that round. Before we read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is really just that simple. There's also going to be a halftime bonus worth up to ten points. And at the end of the game, you get to field what we call the confidence question. That'll be your last chance to try and improve your final score. But I will explain all of that when we get there. We cannot get there until we actually start the game itself. And what better place to start than at the very beginning? I hear a very good place to start. (laughs) And that would be round one. Point battles available to you, sir. Will be one, three, five, and seven here. All right, the categories we'll be using for round one. We're going to kick things off with Fungo. Move along to sports. Follow that up with Buy the Book. And we are going to wrap up round one with Who Done It. But first things first, sir fungo this is our question where we have three clues each alike in dignity all pointing towards the same common answer
1: one three five or seven let's start off easy this time instead of uh flying too close to the sun like we did last time we'll go with one
0: one point all right icarus here is your one point fungo question clue number one jim davis's production company clue number two the keratinized part of many amniotes. And clue number three, mascot for the tigers. Easy peasy start to the game.
1: Yeah, sure. Let's see. Jim Davis Production Company and mascot for the tigers. It sounds like Orange Cats would be involved in both of those. One question is, what would you name a mascot for the Detroit Tigers. Is it the Detroit Tigers? I just said Tigers. Okay, Tigers All Alright, in that case I feel like I have to come at it from the Jim Davis Production Company. Jim Davis, I'm pretty sure that was Garfield. Let's see, Garfield, Odie, John, and all the horrible things that Reddit has done to that. I think we're just going to go with the eye of the tiger here and say the answer is I.
0: I! As in... I <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly uh
0: sure I, I noticed you completely steered clear of the keratinized part of many amniotes the uh, the science portion of the clue uh none, none that wasn't the easiest one of the three
1: <laughs> no that seemed like a little out of my uh ballpark so to speak eh,
0: fair enough fair enough uh well indeed the uh tigers we were discussing here were the detroit tigers uh may not surprise you to learn that their mascot uh in costumed form is is a tiger. No. Uh but the question is, of course, what is that tiger's name? It shares its name with Jim Davis' production company. Uh yeah, Jim Davis, of course, the cartoonist responsible for Garfield. You knew who we were talking about there. Amniotes are animals that have kind of these little things called paws. Oh. pause with claws at the end of the pause pause is the name of the tiger's mascots and pause is the name of Jim Davis' production company we were looking for pause
1: all of that makes sense now
0: uh, I'm sorry that that answer gives you pause <laughs> <laughs> but hey it was only one point exactly which is not the end of the world at all maybe the end of the uh, foot <laughs> <laughs> but not the end of the world. All right, let's just forget that ever happened. I mean, it's still going to count against you in the sense that, you know, it's one less question you have a chance to get right, but we're
1: going to move on to sports.
0: And three, five, and seven, still on the board for round one. What would you like to use for sports? Let's do the seven on sports. Seven on sports. Good luck, sir. Here is your seven-point sports question.
1: Uh, Of the
0: three current members of the SEC with the nickname Tigers... Which school is the only one in that conference's East division?
1: All right. So it's not Auburn. Who else is it? Tiger. Yeah, you touched upon the college sports, which is not anywhere in my wheelhouse. Trying to think of anyone else who I could pull that would be in the SEC. I don't think it's Auburn, so I should go off the map and pick something else. Or rather, East on the map, I should say. Um I have no idea if they're even in the SEC, but let's say Florida Central.
0: Florida Central is your answer. Uh, you know, the SEC, which of course is the Southeastern Conference, uh, not a lot of creativity there with the nicknames. If three Apparently. of the schools are all the Tigers, it's it's crazy there. You mentioned Auburn, and yes, indeed, the Auburn Tigers are a proud member of the SEC, as is a team they play in just about every year in the college football. That would be the LSU Tigers. But those two teams are both in the SEC West. The third team in the SEC, whose nickname is the Tigers, a rather new add-on to the conference, who got put in the SEC East, despite the fact that if you look on a map, I do believe they're further west than Alabama. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just saying. Uh, that would be the Missouri Tigers. Because
1: college sports.
0: Because college sports, yes. Uh, There was a stretch there when uh, a very small school in the state of New Jersey, NJIT, was playing in a conference called the Great West, (laughs) uh, which included mostly teams from the Pacific Coast or west of the Mississippi and NJIT and, I believe, Chicago State. I hate
1: to see their travel costs.
0: Uh, let's just say there's a reason they're no longer in that conference that have moved to <laughs> something a little bit more uh, closer to home. <laughs> Go Highlanders. Anyway, <laughs> cannot give you the points there. We have hit what we call a proverbial wall, uh, a bump in the road. Still plenty of time left in the game, sir. Still two questions left in this round. By the book is up next. You have three, you have five. Chris? How many points am I going to give you when you get this one right? (laughs) Let's go with three. Three points, he said very confidently. Okay, here we go. (laughs) By the book, as you know, this is our literature-based question. I'm going to give you the year of publication of a book, and then I'm going to give you four. Four chapter titles from said book. All you have to do is come up with the name of the book. I don't need to know the author, just the title of the publication. And here is your year, sir not too long ago 2018 here are your four chapters we have the prodigy unplayable lie masterful and into the rough
1: certainly sounds like a book by a golfer or about a golfer we've been knocking all around tigers for quite a while now so it seems like there might be a thread there if it is a book about the only tiger that I know of in golf. Um, I have no idea what the name of the book would be. Yeah, I can't even come up with a guess for this one, so I'll just say the name of the book is Tiger.
0: So your guess is that the name of the book is Tiger.
1: Yeah, I know it's not the name of the book, but I can't even think of anything that it could possibly be.
0: Well, let's see here. Uh, Certainly, we're talking about a prodigy meaning someone who started very young and was quite uh, good at what they do. Unplayable eye A little pun there, because this person did eventually get into trouble there for perhaps not telling the truth about their uh, uh, extramarital activities there. Masterful, someone who may have won the Masters into the rough. We are indeed talking about a golfer. This is a biography by Jeff Benedict and Armin Katayan, and it is about a certain golfer whose name is Eldrick Tiger Woods, the question then becomes, what is the name of this book? And you have put me in quite the predicament here, sir. <laughs> the name of the book is Tiger Woods. <laughs> okay. And you said Tiger, but you did mention Tiger Woods in your musings. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of obvious it was about Tiger Woods. You said Tiger, tiger. You know what? Uh, it's round one i'm in a giving mood it's not like you put the seven on this
1: i'm gonna give you the points for this one sir well thank you very much santa claus just uh,
0: be be forewarned that you better be spot on the rest of the way <laughs> <laughs> no such wiggle room quarter shall be given going forward <laughs> yeah. and it's odds it's going towards the hole and oh 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 it's on the lip it's on the lip of the cup and it oh <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the tap-in, pick it up. Three points for you. By the book was correct. We've got Who Done It left in round one. A brief biographical blurb about somebody. All you got to do is tell me, who did somebody be? It is going to be worth five points to you. Chris, are you ready? I'm ready. Here is your five-point whodunit. Born in Germany, he got his start performing on a cruise ship before being discovered by a theater owner and along with his assistant was given a regular gig. Julian Holloway provided his voice in a short-lived animated series on NBC. To our knowledge, he's never been gnawed on by a cat. Who done it?
1: Gnawed on by a cat. Germany cruise ship theater owner discovered him with his partner. He's never been gnawed on by a cat, meaning he's never been mauled by a tiger, I'm assuming. Sounds like this is probably Siegfried or Roy. The question is, which one was mauled by the cat? Siegfried is certainly more of a German name than Roy. So I'm going to say it was Roy that got gnawed on and Siegfried that, that managed to avoid such a fate.
0: So you have correctly uh, figured out that uh, gnawed on by a cat was the clue. That uh, should point you towards a certain uh, illusionist duo one of whom was uh, savagely uh, eaten <laughs> by their co-star, I guess. Yeah, uh, a few years before that uh, horrific incident, uh, NBC actually did a primetime <laughs> animated series about the life of uh, the the big cats who uh, who worked on stage with, with Siegfried and Roy and Julian Holloway uh, Provided the voice of one of our our titular illusionists there, uh, John Goodman was the voice of one of the tigers there. I believe who's the father of of the clan there. Yeah, uh, that kind of uh, that kind of didn't go anywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gee, I wonder why.
0: I can't imagine. Uh, but yeah, basically this was uh, comes down to a fifty fifty. Was I asking you about Siegfried or was I asking you about Roy, the man who got. Uh, Oh, shall we say, rescued from his stroke, because that's the cover story, is that he (laughs) he had a stroke and the tiger was merely pawing him to get him off stage to get him to the hospital really quickly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure, that's what happened. Uh, His name is Roy Horn. Uh, It is not him. Uh, It is indeed Siegfried Fischbacher. Siegfried is the answer. Well done. I had no idea
1: that was his last name.
0: Yes, not to be confused with survivor uh, know-it-all Stephen Fischbach. This is Siegfried Fischbacher.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, Siegfried. Siegfried.
0: I guess if you have to choose to be either Siegfried or Roy, I'll, I'll pick Siegfried.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think everyone will at this
0: point. Uh, knowing very little about the rest of their personal lives. <laughs> Should I be the one who was snacked upon? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm going to go with the other one. Uh, not a bad round, sir. Feeling generous here. I'll give you, give you two out of four there. Uh, eight points, half the points, eight points, uh, yeah, how you feel it after round one? Not
1: too bad. I'm glad to be uh, at eight points rather than zero. How quickly it could have turned the other way?, yep.
0: just just watch out because you never know when when Montecore is going to just start chewing on you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I know the, 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 the animal's name was Montecore. I just do
1: <laughs> The big question is was Montecore in the cartoon?
0: Uh, it's a very good question and not something I really care to look up. Right now. <laughs> I do, I do I do know that they use the name on uh, one of the Joe Schmoes, but uh, that's uh, neither here nor there. Round two! Round two, folks. Here's how it's going to work. Point values are going to increase to 2, 4, 6, and 8. And we're going to get four new categories for Chris to deal with. Kicking things off with Audio Hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. We're going to move along then to analogies, follow it up with television, and wrap things up in the first half in round two with the sorting hat. First things first, though. Audio Hodgepodge two four six or 8.
1: Let's go with 4 on this one. 4 points for
0: Audio Hodgepodge. Here's how this works. I'm going to ask you a question, Chris. When I'm done with the question, I'm going to play a little clip for you. The idea being that you're going to have a better chance of giving me the correct answer after you've heard the clip than before, though no guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here is your question. Listen to this clip and... Tell me, sir, the name of the spin-off sitcom from the late 70s, which included characters named Jilly and Loomis, of which this is the theme song.
1: the 1970s
0: (laughs) they don't make catchy little ditties like that anymore for the tv do they
1: (laughs) they certainly do not so let's see this is a spin-off series jilly and loomis the names are like right there in the back of my head but they're not coming to the front that's for sure i'm gonna go with the jeffersons on this one for no reason other than because
0: (laughs) Uh, because indeed no no i think uh I think everyone knows the mellifluous tones of Jeanette Dubois. Oh yeah. And we are moving on up would be the Jeffersons there. This was a show where they decided to take a popular character from another show, give him his own series, uh he was married. He had a whole bunch of foster kids living in his house, including Loomis, played by a pre-Different Strokes Todd Bridges, star of this show, uh, I'm sad to announce, folks, is actually dead. I'm sorry, passed away at 94 years old at January 26, 2016, at the age of 94, finally did pass away. He was always the question of, is Abe Vigoda alive, (laughs) or is he dead? Yes, he is now dead. But the memory of his sitcom, Fish, will live on. Fish Fish is the name spun off from his role. Uh, as a police officer on Barney Miller.
1: Oh yeah, if you gave me a thousand guesses, I wouldn't have gotten there unless I just started randomly saying words.
0: <laughs> uh, can't say as I remember ever seeing the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> but again, catchy theme song, so there you have it.
1: Uh,
0: analogies! Analogies is next. You have a 2, you have a 6, and you have 8.
1: Let's go with 8.
0: 8 points for Analogies. Good luck, sir, here is... Your eight-point analogies question. Miller is to counsel as Coors is to what?
1: Miller is to counsel Cores. For clarification purposes, is this council as in legal counsel or council as in city council?
0: I am glad you asked, because I was not going to give you the spelling unless you asked, but I shall give you the spelling now. Again, if you're not sure, folks, always ask. C-O-U-N-S-E-L-L. Okay. Make of that what you will.
1: Yes, certainly. Hmm, that makes it even more difficult. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Miller & Coors. Obviously, we've got really awful beers. Um, We've also got ballparks. I'm trying to decide here if council is, like, the name of a Milwaukee suburb that... Maybe Miller Park is in, or it's, maybe it's where Miller Light is brewed. I don't know. So, that would mean, Cores might have something to do with Colorado. So I'll just say Denver.
0: Denver is your answer. I have to say, this was a hard one. No question about it. And you are pretty much dancing all over it. I think the light bulb just failed to go off in your head at the very last piece of the puzzle. I think you got the frame all done. You got all the pieces separated into their colors. and You start putting them in and just, it's, oh, my God, one piece is missing. Oh, no, maybe the cat's gotten it. I'm not sure. A little dessert after munching on Siegfried uh, and Roy. Uh. So you are absolutely correct. Miller, Coors, beer companies, they both happen to uh, be the big corporate muckety-muck sponsors of baseball stadia. So, Miller Park is indeed uh, the home of the Milwaukee Brewers. The manager of the Milwaukee Brewers is Craig Council. Uh, So, Coors Field, home of the Colorado Rockies. I'm looking for the last name of the manager of the Colorado Rockies. Would you have gotten it if I give you that much information? Nope. (laughs) He's a man by the name of Bud Black. Bud Bud Black. So... Miller is to counsel, as Coors is to black. Duh. (laughs) Exactly. That was a tough one. That was one of those next-level Dennis Miller uh, of 90s uh, kind of shtick
1: there. Well, I'm about to get off on a rant, then.
0: Okay, (laughs) cha-cha. How about we just get off on a television question, and hopefully we can get you off the schneid. (laughs) Uh, Waka waka. Uh, You have two points. You have six points. Television. I know you like the television can i count on you for six then yes you can i had a feeling (laughs) woohoo here sir is your six point television question black's magic was a short-lived 1980s television show on nbc it was about a mystery-solving illusionist and his con man father name either of the two stars of this show
1: all right Surely you remember Black's Magic. I feel like even the people that started it probably don't remember it at this point. Black's Magic just amazes me what they put on television in the 80s. (laughs) Who would be someone they would sucker into a show like this? Yep, rather than sitting through 20 minutes of uncomfortable silence, let's see. (laughs) Pull something out. Let's see. Would it be someone who was just starting the career? And ended up doing something better in the 90s or early 2000s. Or would it just be some random guy? NBC it would be someone who worked with NBC a lot. Let's go with let's go with Matthew Perry.
0: Matthew Perry. I think by this one, Matthew Perry was still playing that uh, tennis character, and I just went, know, even before even yeah. that." <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we discussed at our very special. Uh... <laughs> So, uh, this was uh, a show about, a, you know, a magician who uh, was nearing the end of his career and was about to retire when suddenly uh, the cops called him in and said, hey, can you help us out? Uh, you know, some trick. This must be some illusion going on here. There's some sort of magic related crime. <laughs> you know the, the 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 woman put her jewels in the safe and they opened the safe and they were gone you know so every 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 episode had some sort of magic themed <laughs> crime <laughs> actually as it turns out now that i'm looking at it, it hadn't occurred to me uh, this was not uh, starring anybody who had any uh, pre-existing relationship with NBC, but rather one with a very long uh, ABC career, and one with a long CBS career. Uh, the Con Man father was played by former member of MASH, Harry Morgan, Colonel Potter himself, and ABC's Barney Miller himself, Hal Linden, was the magician in question. Hal Linden, Harry Morgan, plaques, magic, what a show.
1: Yes, indeed. It occurred to me that it might be Barney Miller, but I couldn't just pull the name and make the connection.
0: <laughs> Abra, abracadabra. <laughs> uh, suffice to say, one season, then poof, it disappeared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a surprise.
0: We have one question left in the half. Only going to be worth two points, but two points is still nothing to sneeze at. It is the sorting hat. Here's how it works. I'm going to give you three items, and I'm going to ask you to put them in a particular order for me. The order for this week's episode is from earliest to latest, or order of occurrence, if you will, what happened first to what happened last. These are the three most famous David Copperfield illusions. (laughs) A. David Copperfield's escape from Alcatraz. B. David Copperfield's Passage through the Great Wall of China. And see, we have David Copperfield's Vanishing of the Statue of Liberty. Which illusion came first? Which came second? Which came third?
1: Fantastic.
0: Do you remember seeing or hearing about any of these three illusions?
1: I remember the Statue of Liberty. I don't remember anything about Alcatraz. I mean, why would he escape from Alcatraz? Someone's already done that. And the Great Wall, no. I don't remember that one either. So let's see, let's see. Would Alcatraz be something he would do early in his career? No, I feel like that's more of a, please look at me again. I'm still relevant type of escape trick. So let's see, Great Wall, Statue of Liberty. Did either of those come first. I'm gonna say the Statue of Liberty was first, so C. And yeah, I'll just reverse it and say CBA. See, the Statue of Liberty was first, Great Wall was second, and Alcatraz was elite. Um, I can still do magic trick.
0: <laughs> Alright, that is your order. Statue Wall Alcatraz! <laughs> I think uh, for someone who did not know anything about it, I think your reasoning was quite quite logical and sound there. Indeed, the, the, the big one, the one that everyone still remembers to this day, I would think, if people were around, or at least the one that still holds some sort of cultural uh, weight, uh, is the Statue of Liberty uh, vanishing. And sure, if, if that's going to be the big one, it's not going to be the last time he's hit the stage. In fact, that was indeed the first of the bunch. I uh, certainly remember watching it. And uh, there was this audience sitting on a platform, and there were models on each point with Polaroid cameras. They were taking pictures every, like, 15 seconds. And he puts up a giant curtain, and he does some sort of woo woo and the curtain drops down. And the Statue of Liberty is gone! Oh, my goodness! And then he lifts the curtain back up. Of course, they showed they showed the pictures of of the models going <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> as they turned around, and so it's gone. Uh, spoiler alert: the platform rotated. What a shocking trick! <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> uh, so incredible.
0: Yeah, uh, but you know that was that was the big one. That was the first one. That was in 1983.
1: Wow, is that early? Okay. Yeah, in
0: 1984, not on this list, uh, but I do remember also watching this one in 1984. He came back the very next year, where he uh, sat in a chair and levitated across the Grand Canyon now that one that one was not so much a trick as it was uh, basically watching a video of him doing this and therefore (laughs) (laughs) come on, you got a helicopter to lift you and you and you made sure that the wires were invisible I mean that one pretty much (laughs) writes itself no one was impressed by that everyone was like boo boo you got to do something live dude that's that's not gonna work so it took him two years until he came up with something else. And in 1986, he stood in front of something and he said, there's no way you could accuse me of doing anything to this because China wouldn't let me. He went to the Great Wall. He stood on one side of the wall. He put curtains up. He put his hand through the wall. And then he emerged on the other side of the wall. Great Wall of China, 1986. And yeah, in a, in a trick that I don't remember ever seeing, <laughs> he escaped from Alcatraz in 1987. Uh, indeed. Hey, I'm still relevant. Look at me, look at me. <laughs> Completely forgettable. CBA. You sir. Got it right. Well done. Alright. Two points for you. I'm gonna add that two points that you got in round two. To the eight points you had in round one, which gives us double digit points. Ten points as we head into the half. Nicely done, sir. Excellent job. Almost as if by magic.
1: <laughs> it's all illusions.
0: It is time for the halftime. Here is how our halftime bonus question works, sir. I am going to give you the title of a top ten list. You'll take a few moments, try and think of an answer that will be on that list. If you get the number one item on that list, you will get one whole point. If you get the number two item on the list, two whole points, and so on, up to the number ten item on that list, which will give you ten points. Ah, but what's the catch you say? Well, if you give me an item that's not on the list, a.k.a. 11 on, you get zero. So you may want to hedge your bets if you think you know an obvious answer, but you don't want to give an obscure answer that you're not sure of because you might not get any points after all. A little bit of smoke, a little bit of mirrors, hookah, 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 lobster. We'll see how this works out, sir. Here is your top ten list. According to the Harvard School of Public Health, what are the top ten breakfast cereals? with the highest sugar content. Top 10 breakfast cereals with the highest sugar content. That is your top 10 list. Think about your answers for a few moments, and we'll be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron. Just like Steve, Philip, Blair, and Chris, just a few of the most recent subscribers to our podcast. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Chris Fumifredo. And when we last left Chris, he was sitting on 10 points, working on the following top. list for the half the harvard school of public health recently released a list of the breakfast cereals with the highest sugar content all he has to do to get the points is give me one of the cereals on the list chris what are you thinking about here
1: i guess the question really is are they counting each individual cereal like even the special ones that are just ridiculous like the rice krispie treats cereal Uh, version yeah
0: I would say I would say that they are uh a- any any cereal in uh I guess you would call it a series of cereals would be counted separately, sure
1: okay. I feel like anything frosted would have a very high sugar content. Uh, so we got our frosted flakes, frosted Cheerios, frosted mini wheats, which probably isn't up there because it's mostly mini wheats and jagged edges and some sugar usually. Catch your Lucky Charms, your marshmallow cereals, which are probably pretty insane on the sugar. But then you've got Frosted Flakes with marshmallows, which would be even higher. So this is a tough one. As you can tell, I've spent a lot of time in the cereal aisle. <laughs> um, let's see, if we're thinking about stuff that's higher up on the list, let's say the Lucky Charms and Super Frosted stuff. So I'm going to go with Frosted Flakes and hope it's on the list in the lower half
0: of it. Fair enough. One thing I learned after reading the article that uh, was attached to this list and the list itself is that dentists love the cereal aisle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keeps them in business. There is a lot of sugary cereals out there. But even looking at this list, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So coming in at number one on the list with a 56% sugar content. <laughs> Would you like some cereal with
1: your sugar? (laughs) No, thank you. I'll just take the sugar.
0: Now, this is a cereal that actually changed its name. At one point, sugar was in its name. (laughs) Uh, Used to be called Sugar Smacks. Mm. Now it's called Honey Smacks. But let's face it, it's still almost all sugar. (laughs) Honey Smacks. Number one on the list. Number two on the list also. I remember from uh, my youth had sugar in the title. <laughs> <laughs> its mascot is is Sugar Bear. <laughs> it is posts Golden Crisp.
1: Yep. Yes,
0: Golden Crisp used to be called Sugar Crisp. <laughs> <laughs> super Sugar Crisp in fact. Mm. Can't get no super Sugar Crisp. <laughs> oh,
1: I remember that now.
0: There you go, yeah. 52% sugar. <sighs> Uh, the others on the, uh, on the top 10 all come in the 40% sugars, uh, but oof. Number three for three points would be Fruit Loops with Marshmallow. Number four, oops, all berries. <laughs> <laughs> a fine member of the uh, Captain Crunch cereal family. Number five on the list, OG Captain Crunch, the original Captain Crunch. Surprisingly, Crunch Berries, not on the list. I think it's because it's a puff. I think because the berry is puff, and uh, it's in moderation compared to the the Captain Crunch, but still. Number six on the list, Cocoa Puffs, which throws my puffs out of the water (laughs) theory. (laughs) But I guess the cocoa uh, is all sugar. Number seven, another uh, cereal that uh, is heavy on the marshmallows and heavy on the cocoa. This would be our monster cereal, Count Chocula. And I think it would be the chocolate, the, the cocoa, because neither Franken nor Boo
1: make the list. Yeah. All right. Definitely not going to be a Frosted Flakes on this list. This is already... Yeah.
0: not looking <laughs> good. Number nope. eight, Quaker Oats O's. <laughs> wow. And that's O's, O-H, apostrophe S. I, I don't know what's in Quaker Oats O's, but uh, there you go there you go uh you know a lot a lot of these serials i, I guess novelty serials that, that were one and done don't ca- don't count i mean there there's urkel o's and mr t o's and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> perhaps the, they, they're no longer in production so they would not be on the list but i have a feeling if your if your entire essence is just o's <laughs> 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 probably not the most healthy thing uh nine points for number nine on the list apple jacks really I, I I don't know. I, I am not Harvard. I did not uh, analyze this, but uh, there you go. And number 10, again with the marshmallows, a cereal called S'mores. Really? S'mores. I'm actually stunned that Cookie Crisp is not on
1: this list. Yeah, no kidding. There's a bunch of them that I would probably name well before a lot of these.
0: Something tells me the gap in percentage between number 10 on this list and, say, number 40 is probably not all that great.
1: (laughs) Very likely.
0: Indeed. Let's just say, uh, unless you said (laughs) cornflakes as being last on the list, or something, you know, dull and kicks, perhaps, Uh, yeah, unless they advertise that there's no sugar added, it's probably, uh, probably got a lot of sugar. So cannot give you the points there. Suddenly, I'm hungry. Yes. <laughs> Roy, where are you? I need a little nibble. <laughs> Came in with 10. We'll leave in halftime with 10, but still double digits and plenty of questions left to go here, sir. Round three. Point values are going to stay the same. as 2, 4, 6, and 8, but the categories, well, they're going to be a changing, and this is what they're going to be a changing to, sir. Kicking off with movies. Moving along to science. Following that up with Odd man out. And finishing off round three with music. But first things first, movies, two, four, six, or eight.
1: I'm not really good at movies, but I'm worse at music. So let's see. I think I'll put a six on the movies. Six
0: on the movies. Good luck, sir. Here is your question. Kerry Russell's first role was in what 1992 sequel, which caused Disney to lose a $300,000 lawsuit for stealing the idea from a Price is Right producer.
1: <laughs> That's a lot to unpack there. <laughs>
0: you think? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's see. So it's a Disney movie, it seems. A sequel, no less. Kerry Russell, Price is Right producer. <laughs> trying to think of anything I would have seen around that time. I'm trying to think of anything that Disney would have put out around that time that was live action. Just to discount whether or not it's one of those weird direct-to-video sequels, um, I'm—I think it's too early, but I'm going to go with Mighty Ducks Two.
0: Mighty Ducks Two. You can just picture in your in your head uh, Carrie Russell on the ice skating around with the with Quack Pack. <laughs> I could see it happening. Yeah, I, I suppose I could see it happening as long as she doesn't cut her hair. All is right with the world,
1: right? Exactly. <laughs>
0: So this is just an interesting interesting story, that uh, Disney released this film and were immediately taken to court by one of the producers for The Price is Right, who claimed that he had written a treatment for a film and had submitted it to Disney. And then when he saw this movie, he was like, oh my gosh, you stole my idea. I want money. And uh, the jury said, yeah, yeah, we agree with you. Give him $300,000. The problem is that it's a sequel and Disney actually had proof that they had actually bought somebody else's script which had nothing to do with their original movie and they just basically changed the names in the script and said, yeah, that would be a good story for for our hit. Let's just change the names. In fact, the original film of this had, had a four-member family and because this new script only had three members in the family, they just Eliminated one of the characters of the family, sent them off because they're like, well, there's no there's no dialogue with this character. And we're just basically going to cut and paste the names. So really, uh, Disney bought a script called Big Baby and slapped Rick Moranis on it and said, it's honey. I blew up the kid. Uh, yep. <laughs> Sequel to honey. I shrunk the kids. Uh, and they claim they had no uh, contact whatsoever with. This Price of Right Producers script called Now That's a Baby!
1: <laughs> oh, and was that the last time we saw Rick Moranis? Uh, or did he do tra- another sequel? <laughs> Tragically, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was even a theme park ride. Yeah, honey, I blew up the kid. Fine film with uh, a baby the size of Godzilla walking around Las Vegas. Uh, good times. Thank goodness he wasn't talking, because then... Uh, <laughs> Look who's, look who's in a lawsuit, too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Lawsuits. Anyway, cannot give you the points, and if you don't like it, well, sue me. <laughs> <laughs> science is up next. Two, four, or eight, sir. Let's go with eight on science. Eight points on science. Good luck, and here we go. The most common cause of gigantism in children is a non-cancerous tumor located
1: on what? I feel like the pituitary gland regulates growth, um, but gigantism—don't know if it's really so much growth as it is uncontrolled expansion of, of certain parts of the body. Does that mean the thyroid would come into play? Um, I think we're going to go with the pituri- pituitary gland, and potentially hate myself afterwards.
0: All right, the pituitary gland is your answer and you were basically waffling between that and the thyroid gland. Fortunately, gigantism in children is actually very rare. (laughs) Yes. This is a good thing. Uh, And when it does happen, there are several different ways in which it can happen. There are certain genetic diseases and and certainly some syndromes that uh, have hyphenated names of people who've uh, discovered them or encountered them. Very very rare. The majority of these cases are cases where they can perform an operation and remove the non-cancerous tumor and stop the gigantism from continuing, impede the progress, uh, reverse it even, uh, so that uh, no harm, no foul at the end of the day. Uh, Of course, untreated. Oof. Luckily, we have ways of of checking on these things. It is indeed caused by an excess of growth hormone and an inability to stop it. Uh, The tumor kind of just triggers the growth hormone to just keep on going, keep on going, because it hoodwinks the pituitary gland very well. (laughs) Very good, sir. Don't doubt yourself. I had already circled your answer, giving you the points, and then you said, oh, no, no, i got to race. i got to race. Hang on. He's not sure. A- at least I know the uncertainty means that you're not going to get a sudden case of gigantism of your head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my head's gigantic enough, as my wife will tell you.
0: Very good job. Eight points for you there on the science question. Two questions left in this round. You have two points and four points available to you. Odd Man Out is next. What say ye? Uh, two or four? Let's
1: go with the four on this one. Four points.
0: That last question was about glands. Your odd man out is about Glands. <laughs> Which of the following is the odd man out? Gambia, Germany, Guatemala, Guinea Bissau. Which one is the odd man out?
1: All right. Let's see. Guatemala, Gambia, Guinea, Bissau. all sound like they're near or south of the equator. Germany, of course, looks very odd man out, but that seems far too easy for an episode of Beat My Guest, so let's see, we'll have to dig deeper into this. By process of completely random elimination, I'm going to go with Guatemala.
0: Guatemala, any particular reason other than random guess here? Or, uh...
1: <laughs> nope, just uh, closing my eyes and picking one. Closing your eyes and picking one,
0: sure, okay. You know, as, as the rules are, I mean, I I will just uh, yeah, allow a random guess. As, you know, <laughs> I prefer an answer, but sure. <laughs> as long as you get it right, you get it right? Uh, the question is, did you get it right? Uh, I do believe all four of these countries are actually north of the equator. The equator's a lot lower yeah. than you think. Yeah. Uh, going across Ecuador and Equatorial Guinea for for two, <laughs> uh, so Guatemala's certainly north of that by by a, a large margin. Uh, Gambia and Guinea-Bissau both in West Africa, not quite uh, not quite near the equator. Uh, so that was not what we were talking about here. Obviously, they all begin with the letter G, so no odd man out there. Uh, do you, by any chance, know the capitals of these fine countries?
1: You're asking the wrong person on that one. I'm not the geography guy in our trivia group
0: Fair enough Well, if you were to take a look at the capitals of these countries You would learn that the capital of Gambia is Banjul Capital of Germany is Berlin And the capital of Guinea-Bissau is Bissau All starting with the letter B However, the capital of Guatemala is Guatemala City Does not start with a B Making Guatemala the odd man out. Score one for dumb luck! Four <laughs> points, sir, are headed your way.
1: That is super dumb luck. Fantastic.
0: I'd say well done, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It, it was, was done. It was just done. <laughs> yes. Well, sir, enough of your shenanigans. <laughs> this is a music question. You've already uh, foreshadowed the fact that you know likey the music. <laughs> so two points is probably apropos... Here, sir, is your two-point music question. What song on the Top Gun soundtrack was rumored to have been offered to Toto, only to have legal complications nix the band's
1: involvement? I feel like everybody knows the Top Gun soundtrack, but when I'm sitting here trying to remember it, the only thing I could see is Maverick and Goose singing something in a bar very badly. Um... So that leaves Kenny Loggins and going to go with the Danger Zone.
0: The Danger Zone is your answer by the great soundtrack specialist Kenny Loggins. Well, you know, there are several songs on the uh, Top Gun soundtrack. Probably I would say the most famous one would be Berlin and take my breath away there you go. other songs on the soundtrack cheap trick had a song with mighty wings we had miami sound machine with hot summer nights we had marietta waters with destination unknown and lover boy with heaven in your eyes we also of course had that wonderful song about the danger zone it turns out according to kenny Loggins, toto was originally going to sing the danger zone <laughs> And they called him up last minute and said, uh, help us out. And he did. And musical history was made. Mm. Two more points for you. Well done, sir. All right. We're on a highway. (laughs) I'll meet you halfway across the sky. (laughs) I'm all right. Don't got to worry about me. And I don't got to worry about you. Three questions right there, round 14 out of a possible 20 points. I'm going to add those 14 to the 10 you had coming in, and you are sitting at an incredibly respectable 24 points. And we still have the highest scoring round left to play here, sir. Be it dumb luck, be it the only thing you can think of. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. Results, results, results. Coffee is for closers. We're going to close up with round four. Point values are going to increase to 3, 5, 7, and 9, sir. Here are your categories for this final round. Kicking things off with Around the World. Moving along to everybody's favorite category, I, and Grandma. Following that up with not-so-current events. And we're going to finish off the game's regulation play with the mashup. First things first, though. Around
1: the World, three, five, seven, or 9. Oof, these categories uh, let's see um, let's go with five on around the world
0: five on around the world not sounding so confident seems like he's lost that loving feeling whoa that loving feeling <laughs> feel free to keep those eyes open you don't have to close your eyes anymore anyway here is your five point around the world question sir good luck Oliver Tambo Airport which receives the most passenger traffic annually in all of Africa, serves
1: what major city? Oliver Tambo. This is why they don't let me do the geography questions on my trivia team, AJ. I can't even think of a city in Africa right now.
0: You are aware that there are cities in Africa, though, right?
1: (laughs) I'm assuming so. Uh, Let's see. Brain doesn't work gonna go ahead and say it's definitely not Cairo it would be an interesting name for an airport in Cairo um, Would it be in Nigeria and if it is what's the name of the city in Nigeria? I have no idea um, How about South Africa Got Johannesburg yeah I'm gonna say good enough and go with Johannesburg.
0: Johannesburg. Good enough, he says. <laughs> uh, the capital of Nigeria is Abuja. The largest city is Lagos. Perhaps those are cities in Nigeria you might have heard of. Uh, just by way of education, because we like to educate as well as entertain. And it still always confuses me when forget that they changed the capital. And it used to be Lagos, and it's not anymore. <laughs>
1: I was like, since when? Well, we changed it. Okay, fine. If you just remain ignorant of all those things, you don't have to worry about that. It's it's still
0: McKinley. No, it's Denali. No, it's McKinley. It's Denali. You know, you've got to know these things. Uh, Surprisingly, or perhaps not surprisingly, Oliver Tambo Airport is a rather new name for this airport as well, relatively speaking. Uh, It originally was called the Jan Smuts Airport, uh, but his views on apartheid, well, let's just say they were complicated. Uh, and uh, after a brief change of the name to just simply the name of the city, airport, they decided to name it after the uh, leader of the ANC, who uh, had uh, you know, pretty much fought against apartheid, unlike a certain Mr. Schmutz. Uh, <laughs> and Oliver Tambo Airport was so dubbed, it is indeed in South Africa. There are a lot of cities in South Africa. But Oliver Tambo Airport does indeed serve Johannesburg. Johannesburg is the answer. Johannesburg. Correct, sir. Five points for you.
1: That is just stupid dumb luck.
0: Well, I have a feeling that dumb luck's about to go by the wayside here. <laughs> if the history of our next question is any, uh, judge. But you never know. You never know. Who's to say? Certainly not I. Up next, I-diffin' grandma! You have uh, three, you have seven, you have nine. What's he? Let's go with seven on this one. Whoo-hoo-hoo! somebody's head is getting a little blowed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he gets four in a row. Suddenly he starts wagering the big points. Okay, fine. All right, seven points for I, Diff, and Grandma. As you know, sir, this is our anagram question. I'm going to read you a statement. You can come up with the answer that I'm looking for just from the statement alone. It's it, it's, it's that simple. Just, just tell me what I'm looking for. However, by way of a little double check, if you will, somewhere in the clue is a word or series of words that if you were to anagram the letters in those words, you would also get the correct answer. You don't need to find the anagram to get the correct answer, but it's there. But you don't need it. But it's there. But you don't need it. But it's there. But anyway here sir is your question some folks define pornography or smut as art that gets them wet torts after a definition was made by what supreme court justice as i know it when i see it it's just a long-winded way of asking the question what supreme court justice said i know it when i see it in regards to pornography
1: <laughs> i feel like i should know this especially since my wife is an attorney and most of my friends are attorneys and I work with law firms quite a bit, but let's see. torts after definition. I'm fighting for my life here because I feel like my wife will murder me when she hears this and I don't get it right. And my child needs a father. (laughs) I can't, I can't get it. So I'll say Scalia.
0: Scalia. Good old Antonin Scalia is your answer. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough because, you know, you still got to know the name, <laughs> even, if, even if you can figure out the words. Obviously, uh, torts after, as you, as you noted, is a kind of tortured kind of uh, sentence uh, structure there, so that is part of it. It's also including the word wet before it, wet torts after, eh, anagrams to the auteur of the I know it when I see it verdict of Jacobellus versus Ohio, Justice Potter Stewart
1: potter stewart
0: potter stewart wet towards after easy peasy <laughs> super easy i don't want to know what uh, potter stewart's search engine history would have been though internet search <laughs> history it would have... <laughs> I, I was only on the site for two seconds i knew it i saw it i, I, mo- I laughed Caught me some slack anywho two questions left Uh, We have the high-low left. We have the 3 and the 9. And we are ready for some not-so-current events, sir. What say ye for this one?
1: Let's see. As I've displayed so far, my brain apparently is Swiss cheese. So can I double-lock my way into a correct answer for this? Because I don't think I will on the mashup. Yeah, let's go 9 on this one.
0: All right, 9 points for not-so-current events. This is not going to be a question about current events. It's going to be question about current events from a year ago. Let's see how well we remember something that was so important. Just a few flips of the calendar away. In December of 2018, anti-government protests over an increase in taxes continued to plague Paris. What colorful name was given to these outraged citizens?
1: So, obviously, I don't know it. So... Let's see. One of the colors in their flags. Blue. So I'm going to go with the Blue Brigade.
0: The Blue Brigade is your answer. Well, these protests were quite quite loud, quite disruptive. People came out in kind of support against this. They were trying to support the, the populace who didn't want their gasoline prices to go up. They... Donned the uh, attire of the road workers and uh, people who work on the roads, the ones probably uh, most directly impacted by these types of uh, inflation prices, and they were known as the yellow vests. There you go. I'm sure they were called a few other choice things, but this is still <laughs> ostensibly a family show. He says one question after we discuss pornography. <laughs> <laughs> Can I give you that one? Maybe I'll give you the next one, but only if you get the right answer. And here's how this works. It's going to be worth three points to you if you get it right. It is our mashup. Final question of round four. I'm going to read you a description of two items that have been smooshed together by a common word or syllable. Come up with that combined answer, and you will get your points. Here is your three-point mashup. Watched over by Touchdown Jesus and, to an extent, Mayor Pete, this institution helps instruct drag queens... How to put on lilac wigs and talk in an Australian accent.
1: Uh, Alright, touchdown Jesus and Mayor Pete. Drag queens, lilac wigs, and Australian accents. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. No idea whatsoever. So I will say the ACLU Paul's Drag Race.
0: <laughs> ACLU RuPaul's track race. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good kick in the head if it was right? <laughs> I, I see where you're going there. I see where you're going there, absolutely. Uh, but no.
1: <laughs> Do Because I don't.
0: Touchdown Jesus, famous for being the. Basically, a picture of uh, Jesus with his arms in a in, uh, stance that kind of intimates that he's signaling a touchdown. Mayor Pete, South Bend, Indiana We're talking, of course, Notre Dame Notre Dame is the institution uh, And uh, the drag queen Famous for wearing a lilac wig And talking in an Australian accent Because she's Australian uh, <laughs> One of the OG drag queens She likes to uh, She used to appear on American television shows Including Ally McBeal Dame Edna Everidge We're looking for Notre Dame Edna <laughs> Okay. Portrayed by Barry Humphreys. Well, you know, I I would say I feel bad, but I don't. <laughs> Neither do I. Uh, you know, you were not shut out in any round of the day. Let alone that round. Five more points on your plate. Twenty nine is your total as we head into the confidence question, sir. Chris, it's time for the confidence question. Your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I'll give you the category, and you must, must wager between 1 and 10 points, get it right. I will add it to your score, and happily so. Chris, if you get it wrong, if you get it wrong, not only will you lose those precious points, but I am going to shackle you down inside a pagoda with Abe Vagoda in the state of South Dakota, and other words that rhyme as well. (laughs) But hopefully that won't happen. Hopefully you'll get it right. As is become the custom here and beat my guest, I have asked my hot seat resident to give me three potential categories for me to choose from. You have graciously done so. I have deviously selected, sir, how many points on a scale of one to ten would you like to wager on
1: 1980s cartoons? Uh, That's my time period. Let's go with eight points. Eight points
0: is your Wager here, feeling pretty confident. Hopefully, that confidence will pay off into eight more points being added to your score. Sir, here is your confidence question. A circus train derails, and a father-son duo of performing bears escapes into the swamp. The two set up shop as an Uber-like taxi service for other animals. What was this
1: forgettable late 80s fair called? Sadly, I feel like I've seen this show. Um... It certainly,
0: I will say, it is not an ambiguous clue. <laughs> <laughs>
1: ah, let's see. I don't think it was the Get Along Gang, even though that was pretty much all animal related. Um, let's see what else had bears in it. Um, let's see, we had the Gummy Bears, staple of the Disney afternoon. One of the best cartoon theme songs ever. Fight me about about it. And let's see, also on the Disney afternoon, there was Tailspin, which I think was about two bears but i think it was like blue and like a little cub but they were flying a plane and i feel like they were helping out other animals so i'm gonna go with tailspin tailspin
0: is your answer this is a cartoon series it originally started as a uh, uh, independent special and it did well and so they gave it a run as a regular show they uh ended up i think with uh four half-hour specials along the way and the series itself in true children's cartoon fashion these two the father-son bears were were alone because apparently the the circus had no use for their mother anymore and just packaged her up and sent her away <laughs> and they spent most of the series being sad about that that's good entertainment for kids sure
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: you know and then it starts off with the 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 circus train derailing, so I'm sure many of the circus animals on that train died horrible, mangled, <laughs> twisted deaths. Just to, again, great start to the show. Uh, but yeah, these these two characters, uh, they ran off, uh, found themselves in a swamp, uh, fighting alligators and helping <laughs> transport their animal brethren. It's interesting that you say tailspin, which uh, I, I'm sorry to say is the wrong answer, however... The voices of Baloo and his uh, young charge on Tailspin are the same real humans who were the voices on this show. Uh, Yeah, Ed Gilbert and uh, R.J. Williams were the voices on that show. And on this show, maintaining that father-son relationship between the two shows. So I guess give yourself some sort of points just for that. Uh, (laughs) Subliminally getting Tailspin there. However, this was... The father bear's name was Gus, and the son's name was the titular character, Kissy Fur.
1: Kissy Fur? Okay.
0: Who was picked on mercilessly by the other kids there because he had no mother as Sissy Fur. (laughs) Wow. I didn't say it was a good cartoon, (laughs) I just said it was an 80s cartoon. Again, i no, not no, give you the points. I have to take them away. 29 minus 8 gives you 21, but 21, you have 21, sir. Still a pretty good score, if you ask me. Um, if you didn't ask me, still a pretty good score. Chris, how you feeling now that uh, all, shall we say, has been said and done?
1: I'm very happy with that score. I was happy to hit double digit, so everything on top of that was gravy.
0: Indeed. Everything indeed was gravy. Or sauce, depending on your regional area. I'm not going to get well, started right. on that one. Don't worry, Antonio, if you're listening, I'm not getting in that all argument whatsoever. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Chris, for stepping in. It is always a pleasure to have you in the hot seat. Uh, I thank you for your patronage. If you guys out there would like to uh, join in as patrons, slash beat my guest. If you'd just like to join our little group of fans of the show, find us on Facebook, beat my guest, the fans hot seat. if you just want to tell me how wrong I am with all of my questions bmgpod at gmail.com Chris thank you so much now get out of my hot seat
1: thank you sir it's a pleasure to be here
0: (laughs) thank you all for listening and we will do our best to not be derailed and get back again next week for another exciting episode until then take care and bye bye did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you tell us all about it on twitter at bmgpod also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not I've been a Mark Goodson Bill in Production.